This is Overnights on ABC Radio. David Kilby will be with us in this hour of the show to pay tribute to well, someone who was in a well, a group that was actually pretty important at the time, even though they only had a couple of hits, and there's a reason for that. And also, oh, we're going to go back to 1980, and I reckon the biggest TV plot in their history of television. The biggest plot in the history of TV. That's what we're talking about this morning with David. But before we get to that, let's talk to Celeste Katzmaston in Boston. Celeste, good morning. Good morning. Okay. There are there has been this story, this strange story, uh, that may or may not have come to a resolution now. That uh in twenty sixteen um at the US Embassy in Havana, so in Cuba. So, you know, they're part of the... Well, they're not the axis of evil, but they're a, a state that sponsors terror. It's very difficult to get into Cuba if you're an American and all that. So there's a, a long history too. Bay of Pigs and, um, you know, the various other things um, involved. as Guantanamo Bay. Like, there's this obvious problems between the US and Cuba over the years. What happened at the U.S. Embassy there in 2016? People started getting sick. People started having these symptoms, uh, feeling ill, having migraines, and and lots of other things. Uh, People were sort of afflicted uh, with these illnesses, dizziness, uh, forgetting things, you know, really sort of scary stuff. Um, uh, Migraines, nausea, all sorts of stuff, yeah. Yeah, being being dizzy, vertigo, that kind of thing. And so people have been trying to figure out what this was, and it came to be called Havana syndrome. But nobody could ever actually figure out what was the cause of it. And then it started happening elsewhere in the world. And this is primarily diplomatic staff, embassy staff, but not just in Cuba, it's spread. And so the government, lots of government agencies, started trying to figure out what was happening to these people. So... We're talking about 1,500 people, I think, at the embassy in Cuba, if not others uh, around the world as well. And not just in 2016. It's been going on really for seven years. And there were all sorts of theories that maybe there's some kind of sonic boom or sonic weapon, uh, you know, being aimed at the embassy and affecting people and that was one of the theories. And so there's this long uh, investigations been going on by several agencies. And it's sort of come to a head this week. What's happened? Basically, what they're saying is so far, at least, there's no evidence that this um, this sickness is being caused by the actions of some hostile foreign power. Uh, they're still, unfortunately, not sure exactly why all of these different people are getting sick, but they're saying that it doesn't seem to be some uh, concerted effort by an enemy of the United States to make these people uh, get sick. So what has caused it then? That's the thing. If if the Russians or the Cubans or the Chinese or whoever, North Koreans, let's throw them all in, uh, if they are not doing this, if they haven't developed some kind of a weird weapon to affect people, affect only some people, not all people, that was a weird thing as well, then what has caused this problem? Yeah, they still don't know. I, and then they looked into lots of things. They looked into uh, 
you know, they did all sorts of investigations. They tried to figure out what could be causing this. They interviewed people. I mean, they even considered the possibility, no kidding, that this might have been caused by aliens. Oh. That there might have been some sort Well, of they're very much on the mind of the U.S. government at the moment. Uh, no doubt no, about that. Extraterrestrial oh. involvement. Well, they had to rule I... it out. They had to rule it out, didn't they? Otherwise, people would say, hang on, you didn't rule out aliens. Yeah, so that it appears to not be alien related at this point, but again, they still haven't figured it out. And they've said that the sicknesses that people experienced, even though it's a big number, I mean, 1,500 reported cases, which means usually that there are unreported cases, but, um, you know, they've said maybe it could have been env other environmental factors, pre existing conditions, um, you know, other things like that. But they're they're basically not like some sort of secret weapon mm. i guess is the phrase that was being used by like russia or something um to make these people ill okay we're talking about a pretty big investigation here the investigation's been going on for two years prior to that there's been speculation going on for the previous five years seven you of the 18 i didn't know the u.s had 18 intelligence agencies uh, they looked into it in 90 countries i mean this is a pretty extensive operation but in the end they came up saying well we don't know really what happened in fact maybe nothing happened at all i mean this is a thing maybe i'm not saying people imagined it but there could be a situation where one person might have got sick and then another person got sick totally unrelated and they thought that it was related yeah, and the CIA, some of the agencies have been careful to say, we're not saying that these people weren't sick. We're not saying that they're, uh, you know, making this up or they're imagining it or anything like that. Um, and, and they're taking it seriously. They're just saying at this point, they can't prove that it was, um, you know, a, yeah. a hostile foreign operation. Mm, you can't prove a negative in that regard. Okay, let me put this to you then, Celeste. What if mm. it was a secret weapon being aimed at U.S. embassies around the world. What if it were that, but the Americans, and the Americans discovered it, but didn't want to reveal it because it would then tip our, our tip the enemies of the U.S. off to the fact that they'd found out about it? Oh, I, I, look, there, there are lots of clandestine operations that go on with security, uh, national security and intelligence agencies. Sure. I mean, I guess what I would hope at that point would be that uh, if they found the cause, they were able to stop people getting sick. They were able to address it in some way or move people or protect them in some way, um, even if they weren't making the information public. But of course, that's just speculation. Okay. So there's a few other things we need to talk about here. One is this only seemed to happen or affect U.S. personnel. It did not affect, or it wasn't aimed if there was a weapon at the British embassies or, you know, at South Korea, perhaps, if it was North Korea doing it. You know, that's the case. No one else seemed to be reporting this. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not, actually, I'm not really sure about how... Uh, extensively, they followed the health experiences of people at other embassies and so on. But mm. um, certainly in this case, they were their interest. The prevailing interest here would be the, the health and welfare of um, American of officials, course, yeah. American staff. So the other thing is that if there was some sort of weapon aimed at the U.S. Embassy in Havana, which I think would have to be a pretty secure building, of course, being in, in you know, a hostile country, you might say, 
then this sort of beam or this whatever it is is going through thick walls and windows and round corners and all that sort of stuff. Now, that does not seem likely, and I think that's one of the reasons that they have said, look, we don't think it's some sort of secret weapon. Yeah, look, I mean, the the logistics of it are extremely hard. I mean, of course, there are are materials and, and things that can pass through walls. I mean, you know, again, I'm not suggesting that this is what it is, but I mean, if it was like radiation, if it was some sort of gas, I mean, even natural gas yeah. like radon can make people sick over long periods of time and maybe, you know, less detectable at lower levels. Maybe it was continued exposure. Maybe it wasn't just sort of a one-time thing where say you walked into the building to get your, I don't know, to get your passport taken care of or something like that. It might've had to been uh, continuous prolonged exposure to whatever it is. But, you know, these agencies have looked at all these angles and at the, at the very least they are saying, we don't know what made these people sick quite yet. Okay. Joy has suggested deadly molds perhaps, or maybe mass hysteria, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, maybe one person got sick and other people assumed that they got sick in the same way. It could be a mould situation. But, of course, you know, if we're going on or if it's going on in multiple embassies around the world, I think that's unlikely. It's possible, but it's it's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely complex. And they had a lot of people working on this in a lot of places for a very long time. And and it's as you say, it's it's sort of the issue of proving a negative. They don't know. They can say what they think it's probably not, but I, I don't know how that really helps the people who got sick. I would, they would like to know. Yeah. I would exactly like to know. right, like and I, I think they will be feeling pretty upset that you know they've been told that they're making it up, or they've you know it's hysteria or something like that. So anyway, I, this is the case is kind of closed now, and uh, we'll see whether continuing cases or you know medical cases um, are reported. Let's move on, though, to, oh, boy, this is also a big story. So at the 2020 election, when President Trump lost, there was blame laid. And we know the president you know, has these baseless claims that the election was stolen. And one of the ways that that happened was through the use of these voting machines by this company called Dominion, uh, that you know people made all sorts of ridiculous claims that votes could be changed or deleted or doubled or whatever. Um, and those claims were repeated ad nauseum on Fox News. Dominion has sued Fox News and got access to an extraordinary amount of emails and text messages basically from people at Fox saying, look, we knew this was all rubbish, we knew it was untrue, but we went on air and said it because we knew it was going to help our ratings. And that is an appalling thing from a news network, isn't it? It's really shocking stuff, I have to say, and no matter where you fall on the political spectrum. And there's a lot of debate in and around Fox, including from uh, Rupert Murdoch, about what exactly happened here. Was it that the network was deliberately promoting false information? You know, there have been some suggestions that the network wasn't promoting it, but some of its uh, marquee hosts sort of went rogue on the air for their own reasons, and that was separate from the field reporting on the issue. But yeah, it's it's scary stuff, and a lot of these text messages are really quite exciting explicit about um, saying that Trump was uh, dangerous and deluded and, uh, you know, was just making these things up and that uh, 
it was giving it was giving traction to bad influences in the United States and people who were getting from Fox the kinds of things they wanted to hear. They didn't want to believe that Trump lost. There had to be, quote unquote, some reason why he didn't he wasn't proclaimed the winner of the election. And so turning to, you know, mechanical failures or rigging or these other conspiracy theories that didn't happen was was one path to get there, to give people this sense of security that they had been right, that he was the you know duly elected president. And the whole thing was a sham, yeah. which it isn't, just to be clear. Yes, it's not. exactly right. Now, it goes all the way to the top because Rupert Murdoch, they've got text or they've got uh, emails, I think, from Rupert Murdoch. And he says, um, in this case... I would have liked us to be stronger in denouncing it in hindsight, he says. At the time, knowing that it was untrue, nah, that was okay, let's keep this going. But in hindsight, you know what? Maybe this is the most humbling day of his life, like that uh, phone hacking scandal in the UK. But, you know, the, the fish rots from the head, as they say. Now the buck does have to stop somewhere, yeah. and the idea that we'll stop long uh, you know one of him, their I can tell you that one of their defenses is that they were just reporting the news, reporting what Trump was saying or what his attorneys were saying or his supporters were saying, and I think that you know as a reporter, that's part of the job, but a big part of the job is not just putting bad information or unproven information out there and quote unquote, letting people decide. I think you have an obligation to let people know if something is unproven or patently untrue. And, and yeah. I think that sort of abdicating that responsibility is very dangerous, especially for a network that has as many viewers as Fox. Exactly. But also the case is that they put people on that they knew were lying. And that was another problem. Yeah, that's doing that is just totally irresponsible. You can't it, get the other side of the story, quote unquote, by putting people on that are just spewing these falsehoods. That's just that's not what news is, and no. that's not what being responsible is. All right, now what effect is this going to have though on Fox News? Because there was a direct effect, you'd have to think, with the uh, January sixth riot. That this constant, I mean, they went on and on with these stories. Uh, about how the election was apparently rigged or, you know, which we know is not true. But that all built up to the January 6th riot. So you can, there's a direct line from the lies they are telling on air to what happened and people were killed. Well, in this specific case, the lawsuit against Fox is for $1.6 billion. And I don't know how that comes out, but that is not pocket change. I, I don't care who you ask. It is not pocket change to Rupert Murdoch, nor would it be to any major network or large newspaper in the United States. But that's money. That's money. I think the other question, uh, regardless of the f direct financial impact, is does it change the way people think about Fox News, whether they trust Fox News, or what they choose to believe about American politics and the state of American democracy and free, fair, and secure elections. And there are lots of people out there that won't care. They'll say the trial was rigged. You know, that's yeah. that's disturbing. So there, there could be a financial impact, but in terms of the sort of philosophical impact or the impact on people's faith in the media, or people's belief in the bedrock of our democracy, which is free and fair elections. I think that's really up in the air, and, and that's something people should be worried about. Okay. I mean, the thing also that Dominion voting 
uh, is one of the reasons they've done this is because their brand was totally trashed by Fox and all the people like Giuliani and Sidney Powell who came on the air to say that it was these particular machines. It wasn't just that the votes were stolen, but it was because the machines were faulty or they could be hacked, which is rubbish because they weren't connected to the internet anyway. So, uh, you know, that was that's the reason why that they have taken Fox to uh, to court, isn't it? Yeah, uh, because of damage to their brand. Yeah, and I would say, like, as somebody who very randomly actually co-wrote a book on voting machine technology, like, there are issues with voting machines and voting machine procurement uh, and operation in the United States. Don't get me wrong. It is, in fact, pretty much a monopoly. There are only, like, three companies that basically control all the voting machine contracts in the United States. There, there may be a, a move away from that. So not here to say that the voting machine industry or technology is perfect. But uh, these were sort of very um, wide-ranging allegations that were in designed to undermine people's faith in the election. And again, like no matter how many questions we have about the voting machine industry or changes that are needed to the way we set up our elections, this is not that. This is not saying that the election was illegitimate and and Joe Biden isn't the president of the United States and that this company uh, colluded in some way to throw the election for Joe Biden. That's that's just not what it is, as far as anybody can tell. And uh, we have our own mini Fox News here in Australia, Sky News, also run by or owned by Murdoch. Uh, and they were also just swallowing this hook, line and sinker. The whole election was rigged sort of stuff. So. Good point, Warren in Tallarook, for pointing that out as well. All right, uh, Celeste Katzmaston is our guest in Boston. Let's move away from that, though, to, you know, this is another thing, and one of the, the things that Australia loves, and we've talked about in the, this in the past, is this PBS, the Pharmaceutical Benefit Scheme, that allows for life-saving medication to be available at affordable prices for whoever needs it, for the most part, all the you know, regular... Um, medications that people need and it's a big deal when something gets put onto the PBS but access to medication in the United States it's really up to the market in some ways and we've seen that with what's happening with insulin that's the slight problem now in Australia as well by the way but we'll look at that later um, but tell me about Adderall and why there's a problem with that which is a very important uh, medication for people with ADHD and things like that Right. So Adderall is a, a sort of a stimulant medication that's for uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder. Uh, it's also used to treat narcolepsy, I believe. But there's been a shortage and people are in, you know, to various degrees, you know, different parts of the country. But people are having a real problem. People are dependent upon this medication. They need it to function in their daily lives, to do their work, to take care of their families. It's just uh, you know, when you have sort of executive function problems and you are not able to complete tasks um, essentially without medical treatment, it's a real issue. And so uh, for quite a while now, for months, there's been an interruption in the supply or the amount of supply uh, of Adderall. And there was initially sort of a, um, uh, an issue with production, with getting enough workers, I believe, to uh, work in the factory where they make this medication, but also the medication is increasingly uh, prescribed to more and more people. So there's a higher overall demand for Adderall, and there is a shortage, and this has been going on for quite a while. So what's going to happen? How can this be fixed? Because 
um, you know, people need this, as you say, to to live and function. Yeah, well, I, there, there's a few different things. I mean, obviously, the, you know, they have rectified some of the production issues, I believe, or at least some of the companies that make it have rectified the production issues. There's also issues with abuse of this drug, that people take it sort of recreationally or they over they overuse it um, for fun. Or, you know, it, it makes you sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess it makes you more energetic and it makes you feel more focused. Some people have sort of, described it as similar to cocaine. Um, I wouldn't know about that. Can't, I cannot uh, testify to that firsthand. But, um, you know, it's it's also an issue of, uh, is this medication correctly being prescribed to lots more people who need it than we thought in the past? Or is it being overprescribed? Um, are are hmm. too many prescriptions being written for this? And so I guess there's sort of a, you know, multifaceted um, issue here that, that, United States has to figure out. All right. And finally, boy, this is not a an ad for a car that you ever want to hear, really, is it? Uh, the most stolen car in Massachusetts, in fact, more than just Massachusetts, in, I think, uh, Rhode Island and Connecticut as well, in that uh, Bay Area. We found out what it is, or in the New England area. Uh, what is the most stolen type of car in Massachusetts? Yeah, you, you might think that it would be like a BMW or a Mercedes or, a, I don't know, some other high-end car, maybe a Tesla, something like that. But it's actually a Honda Accord. A Honda Accord is top of the list for car thieves in Massachusetts. Why? Is it because there's a lot of them? Is that the reason that it's the most stolen car? Yeah, well, one that is one of the reasons that it's it's a very uh, uh, widely owned car, very popular car. So if you... Uh, steal a car, strip it for parts, and then try to sell them on the black market, you know, somebody will want to buy it. Lots of people need stuff for Honda Accords. But the other reason is that relative to other cars, it's easier to steal the catalytic converter, um, you know, which cleans the exhaust from your car. And catalytic converters are very much in demand by car thieves lately because they have precious metals in them. They have palladium, they have platinum, and hybrid cars uh, have more precious metals in them than other cars. And so this is a very hot item. And if you have a Honda Accord, you might want to think about uh, having your catalytic converter protected in some way. Or, I don't know, being more careful about where you park and leave and lock yes. your car. Because it is it is a uh, very high on the list for a five-finger discount. So Honda don't want to hear this, obviously, do they? This is the worst uh, publicity for Honda possible, that their cars are so popular everyone wants to steal them. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in my commercial if I were Honda now. So, <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen now? People are now going to stop buying Honda Accords. Well, I mean, there are measures you can take. You can have, uh, you can have signs that say the catalytic converter is etched. You can have more security for your car. You can think about where you park and lock and leave your car, you know, putting it in a well-lighted area, things like that. But yeah, look, I mean, is, is this the, the publicity stunt that every Honda, you know, uh, executive dreamed of getting for Christmas? No, it is not. I mean, it's mm. it's uh, but catalytic converter theft is a problem all across the country, and it's not just limited to these cars. So probably would would try to swing that. And to be fair, overall, 
car theft is down in Massachusetts relative to other years. So it's not like you're seeing an empty parking lot sure. with a bunch of like, you know, birds or something. <laughs> it's it's uh, but it is something to to be aware of. People want these mm-hmm. catalytic converters. They're full of uh, platinum and other stuff that uh, you can get a couple of bucks for. All righty. And just finally, before we go, Scott says uh, here, a guest on the radio talking about the Havana syndrome. Um, saying apparently all the people supposed, supposedly affected were in areas they'd been warned to look out for some sort of clandestine attack. So maybe it was in their head already. That's one thing, yeah. Um, hmm. And, um, uh, you know, people have suggested it was equipment that the US was using. But, I mean, that was looked into. The The idea of a psychological thing, I mean, that's that's very difficult to get people to admit to isn't it right and psychological warfare psyops is a thing no yeah, no doubt about it and if if people have the idea in their head but i mean this was an extremely widespread issue i don't think that every case here can be uh can be dismissed yeah, solely sure. on the basis of of uh paranoia or something like that all right uh uh and eddie says the problem is fox is not a news organization so they claim merely an entertainment channel well they call themselves (laughs) fox news so uh i think we've got to take them at their word in that regard anyway anyway thanks uh, very much celeste we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks always a pleasure celeste katz marston in boston